Hi, parents. It's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In the Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over 100 resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. I have with me Chris uh, okay, now just wait. I have to say his last name right. So I'm going to take a moment and just slow myself down because I'm all excited. So Chris um, Jankolovsky is his name, and uh, he is the founder <laughs> of Remote Staff and the author of Near Death Lessons. Chris was able to transform his life from fear and self-doubt to empowerment, success, and happiness, and shares the secrets of becoming unstoppable. Love it. And not only that, he's a dad. He's two boys. So it's great. And we are talking right now. We're recording before Father's Day. This is coming out after Father's Day, but this is a real nod to dads. We love dads. They're so important. So welcome, Chris. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Robin, for having me on your show. It's awesome. (laughs) That's great. So, okay. I got to ask what happened? You had a near-death experience and it transformed your life. So do you mind telling us what happened? You know, you know, it's one thing to have one near-death experience, but I've had eight. Oh, oh, what? Are you right? <laughs> Are you a daredevil? What else is happening? Over 50 years, eight okay. of them. Four were ones that I was mucking around with my friends because I, how can you believe it? I almost drowned. <laughs> so we're having a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and four were transformative. And when you have a transformative near-death experiences, you know it because without a shadow of a doubt, something happens to you. There's like a reset button that happens in your heart and everything you've held true all this time has been reevaluated. Like everything now, uh, you question your what you hold true, your, your interpretation of yourself, the world, everything you perceive is up for grabs. It's a fascinating experience. And I've gone through that four times. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, so it happens in an instant. It happens over time as you recover. I mean, were you hurt yeah. really badly? So at the age of 19, I was diagnosed with a rare hereditary condition. They said, Chris, we've got the reasons. We know the reasons why you've got tumors in your eye at the age of 16. We, I know no one at 16 gets tumors in their eye. And, and all the doctors were puzzled back in the early 90s. Like, why would a kid have tumors in his eye? Normally 70 yeah. and 80 year olds have it. And then they took me to this person who read my blood test and he said, Chris, well, you have this thing called von Hippolyndor syndrome. It's a rare hereditary condition. One of 36,000 people have it. We don't know much about it, but we do know that you're going to have tumors and cysts and cancer, some of them, in all your major organs. Oh, oh and the life expectancy average at the moment is 30 so you're probably going to have a short life um i don't have any more information for you i don't know what else to say oh all the best goodness. see you later <laughs> that was it i i was like what you, how do you know i'm going to be dead by 30 uh, uh what um, no support no flyers nothing i ran to my car 
I just cried for two weeks straight. I couldn't relate to anybody because I kept telling them like, I've got this death sentence and my parents couldn't relate to me and my friends, I couldn't share it anyway. So I did what any other 19 year old would do. Mm-hmm. I ignored the condition. Mm. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how to handle it. That's all what we all do, right? When we don't know how to handle something, we just ignore it, pretend. I pretend that deep down, if I really didn't receive this at all, would it really disappear? If I, I really believed it, I thought if I just never, anytime we showed up in my memory, I would try to kill it. And that's how I lived my first uh, mm. adulthood. That was my introduction to adulthood. Wow. Wow. And, and you know what, you're so, you're so right. We do tend to ignore things. And, and I also, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that you didn't have the, the guidance that you needed to back then. Um, okay. So, so then when did things change? Finally, when the things all caught up to me. So I ignored it in my 20s. I didn't do what the doctor said, do the yearly scans, do all these things. I did nothing. <laughs> uh, absolutely nothing. And so tumors were free, free flowing. They were just growing. And, mm. and all of a sudden, I had this headache for two weeks. I was contouring my body. And then the doctors, when I, when I had this headache for two weeks, said, Chris, we found the reason for your, two, for your headaches for two weeks. You must come see us immediately. I went to see them and they said, Chris, well, you've got a big brain tumor in your head and it's so big that it could pop any time. If, if we had a surgeon available tomorrow, we'll book you, but we can't find anyone until Thursday next week. You're getting that brain operation. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you mean someone's going to enter my head space, my private space? I mean, I'm having yeah. a brain operation. I've never known of anyone, Robin, before who's had a brain operation. Right. I was horrible. I was, that was the moment that transformed everything for me because okay. I went out of that clinic. I looked at the sky and I said, God, kill me. I've had enough of living this disempowered life. I've had enough of being a victim to these circumstances. I've had enough of living this life where I'm always doubtful, running away from things, starting things, stopping things. I've had enough. Whatever happens in this brain operation, whether I can't walk or talk anymore, I'm going to choose life. No matter how long that life is, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to be an empowered individual. I'm going to embrace what I can be in this life. I've had enough of that other existence. So that was the the shifting point in my life when Mm -hmm. I went from a victim mentality for 13 years and a self-empowered mindset for the last 17, 18 years. Wow. Okay. So it's only, it's not even been 20 years since that happened. Uh, Obviously you survived and you're thriving. And so you do talk about this. And so, you have a you have a book called Near Death Lessons, right? And um and and so, how do you stay with all the adversity that we face, right? Look, we we're coming through a pandemic. We're still not over it in more ways than one. How do you like? It's easy to stay in a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I can't go out. I can't do these things. You know, things are so different now. All this stuff. So how do you stop when it's not even your fault? to living a deliberate life. Tell me, yeah. please, Chris. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Great question. Um, Asking for a so, friend. <laughs> yeah, all good. I mean, so right now, right now, I write a book, right? It took me six years to write that story, for, originally for my sons, because I wanted them to oh. know who their father was. And then a year later, I'm bargaining for my life oh my <laughs> and gosh. sharing the story publicly now. Um, so... Right now, when I talk to you, they're the, they're, the, they're the conversations in the book from the past adversities. Everyone assumes when they see me that there's no more adversities, but I still have brain, six brain tumors. I still have three fast-growing cancers. 
And mm -hmm. do you see me feeling like a victim? Do you see me responding like, oh, you know? Yeah. No. No. So, so how does one retain this self-empowerment? First, you must recognize in this life, we are only in control of two things, mm. our thoughts and our actions. Mm. <laughs> um, and then two, you must understand that there's a lot in life that you're going to have out of control. The universe is going to throw you a lot of problems and challenges, right? There's yeah. so many things outside of our control. You must understand another thing about our lives. One, we have limited time. We have limited energy. Mm. So to optimize your time and energy, all you need to do is this. Ready? Look. Shift your focus on what you can control. That's mm. it. Forget the rest. It takes up your time. It takes up your energy unnecessarily. And you, what? Can you change your past? No, you cannot. So why waste your time trying to change something that out of your control? You can control certain things. Your perception, how you interpret things, focusing on how you... You respond your emotions to things and how you, you show awareness in what's going on in your thoughts. Show mm. awareness in your actions. We're all on so much autopilot. Yeah. What it, you know what? We're going to live out a whole life and we're always just reacting and responding to things. Mm. Mm -hmm. Isn't it refreshing to know that we can actually observe our behavior, we can observe our actions and mm. reevaluate that and go, you know what? I can apply my creativity right now or I can go expand my knowledge in this position, opinion, or response that I do, and maybe change, maybe grow, maybe learn, maybe mm. do it differently. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I hear you. And I've got some questions. So awesome. first and foremost, you said in our control are our thoughts and our actions, right? We can only control us. We can't control other people. And what I love you say, uh, is that, um, we don't ever need to take anything personally. Like it's never about <laughs> my own personal philosophy. I believe it to be true 100%. I mean, I think that there's a line where, you know, other people do have to take accountability for their actions and so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. you also said we have limited time and energy. And uh, for us to just shift our focus to what we can control versus what we can't control. Mm. So, so I, I understand what you're saying. So, so but I want to test it a little bit. So Am I right in saying that, like, if we go back to the pandemic, if I were to mm. take what you said and 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 uh, and compare it to that, what I do, I don't have control over the pandemic, over you know, uh, over the the virus, but I do have control over wearing a mask, washing and sanitizing my hands, and uh, you know, not going into a crowded place. Right? Is that for one? Would you That's say? for one. Okay. So that I can control, I can't control the other. Let, let's just focus on what I can control. But what if you're in a situation, and I'm going to talk as a mom, yeah, where you have a child in crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you focus on then? You know, because all of your energy goes to that. Or mm. you know, maybe your child is sick. Yeah. How do you? How do you do that? Because that's big. That's big uh, stuff, right? Uh, that is big. Yeah. And especially as parents, of course. Now, first, I want to send the message to all the parents out there. <laughs> I'm a dyslexic learner. My son's mm. dyslexic. I didn't do school very well. I, I was an angry young man at 19. I thought there was no, I didn't believe in a future until I was 32. Wow. You know what? But I've turned that all right. I've employed 8,000 people. 
I'm living my life. I'm living my dream. I'm serving. I'm contributing. Guys, relax. As parents, the, they evolve biologically. There's so much knowledge in us. There's so much that evolves in, in our children. We all, as parents, sometimes may think we've got humongous control of our children. At the end of the day, they're God's creatures, I hate to say it, and we are their shepherds. We just need to make sure that they're not out of their path. So my son has my hereditary condition. Wow. My six-year-old okay. son has this condition. It means he's got the same version of what I've got. Now, how do I respond as a parent? Mm-hmm. Now, that was soul-searching. And how do we all do that? Initially, of course, we feel these emotions, right? We all do. You know yeah. that firsthand. So how do we re- – so first we must understand that our emotions are, are happening and that's fine, but that doesn't mean that's a reality and that doesn't mean that's how we have to we always interpret that reality just because of our emotional response. Okay. The, the thing that I find fascinating about emotional response is that it clouds our ability to think rationally. It mm-hmm. clouds our ability to see objectively. So I find that, that when I'm an observer – it's so easy to say you're interpreting situations, you're observing your own responses to these things and things. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, as parents, we're still like, I, I know how to handle this condition, uh, living with this condition throughout my whole life. I'm now 50. My, my uh, wife, on the other hand, superwoman, hmm. she, with our young son, I mean, you know, when there was one little thing that went wrong and she just entrusted me in servicing the needs there, she exploded in front of me. And so, you know, hmm. so I still, me and my wife still haven't resolved the issue of how we're going to manage the care of uh, our six-year-old who has this hereditary condition and he's right. going to go on a journey. But we are, as adults, empowered individuals. So our son is dyslexic. And he was having a terrible time. I just had my brain operation. I'm in bed. I can't move. I'm bed down. My wife mm-hmm. said, Chris, we have to get our kids out of private school because he's not getting the care he needs. I can't talk. I, 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 <laughs> we need to homeschool him. Uh, <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> yeah, can you believe it? I said, <laughs> it's your decision, wife. You, you're seeing it more than I am. If you think that's the case, you know, you, you know I, let's, let's go for it. I entrust you. So now I spend more money on homeschooling than I did in private schools because we educated, we're giving him a tailored education. We are growing up an individual. We we are blossoming and encouraging. So going back to your question, I'm so sorry for jumping around in this. No, it's thing. good. Uh, but but to respond to these horrible things that happen in a in in the world, just know that the universe throws us things, and it. To me, everything, every adversity I've had to overcome, and I mean every adversity from almost being bankrupt, from being eight months to learning how to walk and talk, from uh, all these other crazy things that I've had to overcome, from being spiritually, emotionally, physically shattered. I mean, I, I thought I'm better off dead than carrying on. Hmm. But every time I've rebuilt my life and moved on from these adversities, I mean every time, Robin, there's been a gift. That And I think that's common across everyone. There's been a gift that the gift has been so overwhelmingly awesome that we look back at it and go, you know what? Thank God for that adversity because now I get to enjoy time. I found my partner in my life or I got to, I never settled into mediocrity or I got to build this large business or I now have a purpose or 
there's so many blessings that come from an adversity. So I think for all those parents that are dealing with incredible adversity, look, it's a per- we, we persevere. Don't back out of life. This mm. is called life. Don't back out of life. Because when I backed out of life, that's what caused me to become a victim. Mm. Running away from life. So don't run away from your children and their challenges. Be there with them. All we could do is just support them. All we could do is just be that, as you would say often, be that voice that, 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 that interprets without judgment. And that's that's it. I mean, we're there. We will grow together with them. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, I really I really get it. I got the message. Um, and I think what, what I just love, thank you for sharing that about oh, your own struggles and, and your kids, too, because that's really real. And, and I think that you're right. Like, life is going to give us a bunch of stuff. And, and, and stuff is not usually the way I describe it. I, I use some other sure. four letter words. Um, and, um, and that, and, and, and so what you're saying is the emotions cloud are rational and logical thinking. The emotions, we do need to have them and it's okay to have them and feel them and not let them drive the bus, right? And for us to persevere through it and know that this is something my dad always said. He said, it was about adversity. Every adversity, heartache or failure, there's always a greater benefit. That was Boy. drilled into my head. Drilled <laughs> all my life. Every adversity, heartache or failure, there's always a greater benefit. And that is really hard to agree with or take on and mm. want to tell it to go, go away when you're in it. And it really is true, isn't it? It really is true. It, it's true, except there is a caveat. Okay. Uh, if you do not accept the adversity, if you do not accept the situation, if you're running away from this problem, if you're trying to pretend yeah. it doesn't exist, yeah. you are not going to get the blessing. You are not yeah. going to get the learnings. Yeah. That's so true. In fact, we really, I, I love to talk about and teach with my clients and, and even talk up to my friends about it, but radical acceptance, really mm. accepting what is right. When you mm. are at war with what is, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not taking action. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, but just accept what is. And the way I look at it, you know, it, it, you know, and I'm, I'm sure this is similar to you. You've been through all of the things that you listed, you know, bankruptcy and, you know, all, mm. all those things. And, and that sounds terrifying to most people yeah. and like is this supposed to be happening well it is so it must be and you know all of this waiting for life to get better like this is what life is actually yeah, exactly right <laughs> yeah perfect perfect yeah. and look the after my brain operation i love this story because it's a it's a it's a real example of what does acceptance do to our lives so mm. first when, when I had the brain operation, literally my second brain operation, a tumor burst in my right hemisphere. Literally 60% of people, when a tumor bursts in the operating table, they die. So I'm one of the lucky 40%. And that left half my, this time my left side works, 50 years of movement, 60 years oh. of movement. And so, you know, everything was affected in the left hemisphere. So two and a half months after my brain operation, I was obsessing. This is what happens when you don't accept the situation. I was accept, uh, obsessing about the problem. I was deaf, uh, my right ear, I couldn't move, I couldn't speak. I, could, I had so many, double vision. I had so many challenges and problems. Most of my limited energy 
most of my limited time, waking time, because I was so fatigued. I was up at seven, out by two. So I noticed my limited energy and my limited time. I'm in bed. I'm bed down. Was mm-hmm. devoted towards complaining, devoted towards the problem. Yeah. Am I making progress when I'm complaining? Am I making, am I learning from, from doing this? Am I solving the problem by doing this? No, I'm not. Mm. It took me two and a half mm. months when my wife said, Chris, stop it. You can't, it's done. You can't do mm. anything about it. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I, that was the time when uh, I realized, wow. Yeah. I can't change it. This is it. This is my life circumstances. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now who would have thought from that moment that what had happened was because my limited energy, because I was so limited in energy and, and, and everything capabilities, what was very evident was when I accepted the situation, just how empowering it is. This is what I mean. Stop running away from life's problems, embrace mm. them. It mm. took me two and a half months to accept my problem that I'm in. But mm. when I did, it was so empowering. It was so liberating because of one little thing, what I mentioned before. It just allowed me to let all that go and to shift my focus to what I can control. Mm. It was a simple strategy. Right. But it, I, and I had a man with my leg to get me to walk again. He needed to move my leg to get my, my nerves to fire. Right. I, had, I had no control. And look how far I've gone. And and so we can do so much in our lives by just staying in our lane of what we can control. It's shocking. Yeah. I'm always amazed. But self-empowerment happens by acceptance first. Number acceptance two, first. take time out because most of the transformation, most of the miracle that happens in our lives happens because we've received a subconscious connection of things. You've got to allow your brain to take time out to rewire itself, to heal, to come to terms with what you've just gone through. We rush things so much. We want to stick with the damn thing. Let it, let it just settle because why are we so eager to move on to something else? <laughs> because it hurts. It's hard. It is. It's true. I know. And and look, it's life was never supposed to be easy. Jesus, we're human beings. We're not AI. And uh let us just go through. This is life. We are lucky to be in this biological form. We're lucky to have this time and presence of this existence. And how mm-hmm. grateful are we to be privileged people, to be parents and a steward of our children? Yeah. I think it's incredible. Well, okay. So I just want to say a couple of things. So with acceptance, you know, sometimes we call it surrender. And surrender mm. isn't a white flag. You know, it, it, it isn't like, okay, I surrender, I surrender. It's like, I surrender. And, you know, like the full wide open, like I surrender to this, there is a lesson here for me and I surrender to it, uh, you know, and, and then I love that you said, take time out because you do need to process it. And, and, and the way I look at it, I'm going to just tell you, I don't know if you've ever, anyway, this, this is how yeah. I describe kids going through emotions, but we're the same is that mm. the emotion itself is a tunnel and we just need to go through that tunnel all the way through to get to the other side. And that's how our kids are. But what we do is we go, oh, hell no, I'm not going through that tunnel. I'm going <laughs> to avoid it. I'm going to numb myself through it. I'm going to race through it. Yeah. I'm going to bury it. Wow. But the yeah. reality is, is we need to go through it and it's okay to feel it and to really, yes, to give yourself time to accept it. And and I love that you're talking about the brain too, because yeah, we've got to, we're, we're rewiring our brain and our nervous system needs that break too. 
Do you agree? It yeah. does. And, and, and as Churchill says, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding, no kidding, no kidding, no kidding. That's great. Okay, so those are those are three of the main steps, two of the three main steps to living a deliberate life, right? Yeah, uh, stop running away from life uh, because that just empowers victim mentality. Okay. Take on life, uh, focus on what you can control. Mm. And uh, by doing just these three simple things that we just discussed, you are going to be one, spending less time running around on non-important activities, chasing your tail. You're going to spend less time running away from problems and you're going to be starting to spend less time on personal self-doubt. Remember, we're all creatures that have got so much greatness implanted in us. We are not supposed to have these doubts and insecurities in our lives. In this modern day and age where there's so much information and knowledge and everything distracting us, we don't know. It's more, it's more important than ever before to listen to our hearts. It's more important than ever before to have a deeper sense of understanding that, no, what's important to me is what matters most at the moment. Because it's so easy to get influenced right now. But we've got to know what's true for us and embrace that. Because, because what's funny, every time I nearly die, I keep going through this onion layer experience. And I mm. get deeper and deeper into who I truly am. Yeah. And every time I do, I'm more powerful. Hmm. Hmm. And that's the same for all of us. So it's like you strip away more and more of the facade, maybe, of the judgment. And you just the, 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 the perceptions of other people's beliefs and realities, yeah. my, my upbringing, my, my past, yeah. they're my parents' beliefs, not mine. You know, we are on autopilot so much. These are just brain patterns. Yeah, and like 95% of the time we're on autopilot. Not autopilot. And none of us have questioned, are these our beliefs or did, how did these beliefs come to be? Or are these our habits? Did we design these habits? Did we choose these habits? You know that we can actually design our patterns and thinking all the way. Mm -hmm. And we just assume that the way we are is the way we are. But that ain't so. We can learn. We can grow. We can change. Well, and, and you know, I'm a strong believer, uh, if if you didn't already know, on how important <laughs> parenting is. Uh, and, and I mean, I really believe it's the most important job that we do. It's also the mm. job we do without any uh, really like any schooling, any information, any, you know, idea. We have no idea what we're getting into. Let's face it. Um, and uh, and so, what because ninety five percent of the time, and I don't know if that is the exact number, our subconscious is running the show. That means that the way we were parented is how we will parent, and mm. so that's where we get the conditioning from a lot of it. But but I also want to say that it sounds to me like with the onion layers that you're peeling, also some forgiveness might. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Forgiveness of self, forgiveness, forgiveness of my own family, my, my father in particular. Yeah. Uh, forgive, forgiving is so liberating and it's empowering as well. I mean, forgive yourself. It's okay. You stop being so hard on yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. as parents, we all want to reach our full potential with our children. Our mm -hmm. full potential of our children being reached is our full potential as well. We, we're proud. Like we not want nothing more. And so, so we've all got an approach. It's fine. We've all got our own ways of how we interpret. It's our lives. This, this is, this is fine. It's all good. They're, they're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean take your hands off, allow it to, to just happen. Um, but it also doesn't mean 
control the control the situation so much. So I love the the word being a parent enabler. Let us enable them. Let us empower our children. Mm. Let us enable their good gifts to blossom. Let us enable. And for us to be enablers, we ourselves have to have an understanding of are we response are we responding to life and the situation that's happening in life as empowered individuals or as victims of these circumstances? How are we responding? First, we have to be at least consciously aware of how we are responding. Mm -hmm. Because how we respond is what we're demonstrating to our kids. Mm -hmm. That's uh, very true. Our kids don't, I mean, I say this all the time. Our kids don't do what we say, they do what we do. So we're modeling for them. And that's a powerful way to to show our kids how to behave and think and uh, and act and and all that stuff. Yeah. And 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 what you're saying too, and you, you said this earlier as well. And I I think there comes a time where we transition from being teacher to being a guide or a mentor. At some point, mm. and I have a 17-year-old who's graduating in like no time at all. There is a point where we have to release him from our care and allow mm. him to make his mistakes and learn his lessons. Because the life stuff is going to happen to him too. And I can't protect him from that. I can't lecture him out of those experiences. And I would be doing him a disservice if I didn't allow that to happen to him exactly. as well. So there, mm. there, there, is, there, is, there is a balance and it's hard. It's a, it's a mm. hard transition for us to make as parents. Our kids are making it whether we like it or not. They're making mm. that transition biologically, uh, brain-wise. Like they are going to go away from us. and we as parents can't grip tightly white knuckling it, we do have to allow them. And sometimes that does mean they go to a place that scares us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And so you say to that, that you've got to be in that moment. You've got to understand that things are going to come that way. You've got to focus on what you can control. You can, can only control your thoughts and your actions and and you've and you've really just got to look for the gift in that. Yeah, and support your kids when they yeah, are out course. there in the world. Yes. Yeah, I mean when they're going through adversities and challenges, be an observer. Uh, if you mm -hmm. see them running away from life, put their attention back on the problem. Get them, uh, equip them with uh, the the care, self love, and personal attention they need to take on that challenge again. Mm -hmm. Don't try to challenge, don't try to solve the challenges for them. Don't try to solve life problems for them. That's their job. That The reward for them is to be able to do these things. Mm -hmm. yeah, like I've got a lot of staff and I need my staff, just like we need our children to bring to life their contributions, their services. And they can't do that in our, under, under our wing and protection all the time. We can give them advantages, of course. We can, <laughs> but um for my staff, for example, there's no point in me always telling them, do this, do this, do this, because I'm their boss all the time. They're never going to grow. They're never going to yield me good returns. It's the same. So I want, I, want, I want to empower the staff, like my children, and I want them to bring and contribute to the mission. I want them to contribute to their lives to understand what is really their gift. How can they mm. express it? And how can they attempt to apply themselves learn from their mistakes and gain wisdom independently from my own wisdom. Mm -hmm. they get, let, get, they're in a different generation than us. Their world already is so damn different to our world. 
And how did they gain those nuances and distinctions to become their best versions? And all we can do, since we've been down that path much more so, is not necessarily tell them how it is all the time, but just guide them in terms of, look, I, I just the, the simple thing. I, I see that you're kind of running away from this problem, or I see that you're responding like such a victim here. Hey, you know what? You've got control in this. You've got this, buddy. Come on, give it another go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be wow. the cheerleader. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's so great. Okay. I'm going to tell you what, what I just, I just got to add a couple things in here because, oh, uh, and, and, and affirm what you're saying, because what you're saying is, is very true. I like that you said, ask, not tell. I mean, could we please talk to our kids and ask them uh, for solutions and ideas and thoughts and opinions, please? Can we please ask them and then listen and zip it while they actually talk? So please listen. Um, but but what I also hear is that as you are, uh, and this is just my 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 where my mind goes, is that as our kids have their ups and downs, first and foremost, the antidote to a lot of this is deep connection with them. They can have mm. mistakes, make mistakes, and being able to come back to us without us shaming them, blaming them, criticizing them, punishing mm. them, talking to them all the ways that they did it wrong and humiliating them, that we just say, okay, actually mistakes are a part of life and we make mistakes too. And we're just here to help you work it out. That is what our role is as parents for sure. Uh, and to allow them to make those mistakes. And look, those are all age appropriate. I love Dr. Dan Siegel. He talks about pushing and cushion, where you push and where you're, you're a cushion for your kids, right? And you've got to know the difference because, you know, but we're, but we're also talking about as kids get older as well. Um, but I really like that you just said, ask and not just tell. We lecture our kids so much and we want them to listen to us, but we really need to listen to them more too. So I love what you're saying. I really do. <laughs> Having nearly died so many times, and I'm here, I'm back. I'm here for my kids. I'm here for my boys. I get to see them. So every time you get your mortality challenged, you know, everything else that happens in life, however dangerous this was or however bad this was, or whatever, whatever these circumstances are, are irrelevant compared to you being dead. When yeah. you're here compared to right. being dead, you just embrace this love. This is all that we are, love. And I just want to be there for them to love them. Okay, you did that. I love you. Mm. It's fun because that's like, all that matters. It's like you got to thank this experience, good, bad, or indifferent. Like, thank you because I've experienced I'm alive. I'm here. I'm here to love you. I'm here to support you whichever way I can. I'm here for you. That's all that need. That's all I need to know. Oh. That is just so great. And you have a chapter in your book called Live Like It's Your Last Year Alive. And I'm sure that's everything that you're talking about in that. Yeah, look, I because every year I get my scans in mm. December, November. Like I call it like a roadworthy certificate to live life to the fullest the next year. Right. <laughs> and so once I have all these MRIs and everything else, I'm tumor-free or my tumors aren't growing or whatever it is, I, I bolt, I take off. And so for me to live strategically every year, and by the way, I've been living with uncertainty for 31 years. Wow. Like as in, I don't know whether I'm going to be alive next year. Wow. For 31 years. It gets tiring after a while. And then you realize, actually, your mortality doesn't matter. What matters is you're here. How are you going to respond? How are you going to live? That's what matters. Your time is out of con your control. I mean, you know, when you, when you pass. 
So why worry about it? And, and then you realize, well, who cares? You, my, when, I, when I had my first near-death experience and I realized the insignificance of my, of my life compared to the rest of the world, the world birds fly, <laughs> the rivers flow, you know, who am I? Yeah. 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 The world will continue rotating, whatever. I, I, I got grounded then and I realized the, my insignificance. And when I did, again, it just it allows me to embrace just living a true version of my life, a true expression of here, because I'm no good and we are no good to the world and our children, if we are dying for our dreams, if we've never wrote that book, if we've never got to do that in our career, if we've never got to experience what doing something with love and passion and service is in our lives. So do not die with these dreams of yours going away. You must apply yourself. The world is better off even if you try and fail because if you've never tried with that seed of greatness that you were born with, that you've never even expressed and you're dead now, the world's lost something. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so I leave my year knowing that every year as if it's my last year. I don't go all in at, at, at Vegas or something, but <laughs> <strategic>. <laughs> and I should And I, I first I plot everything around my, my children and my wife's birthdays. Then I plot everything around seasons because I'm kind of like a migrating bird. I fly everywhere mm. and we follow certain seasons. Then when I've structured my, my, my calendar and I see everything, I say I love being organized. It's very important. You have to be organized because time passes so fast that if you don't squeeze in magic moments and experiences you want to have in your life, achievements you want to set out and, and do, bang, it's going to approach. It's going to pass by so fast. Yeah. So having clarity is the most important power of all of us. If we have mm -hmm. clarity of our true desires and why it matters to us is power. We've got power focus, power of action. We can learn and evolve and become better and better as we go. So Clarity, and then we've got to connect the, the subconscious universe in our power. We've got to have it on our back. And the only way you can get your subconscious into action is linking an image to a goal because, mm. because your subconscious mind doesn't respond in words. It only responds in images and feelings. So when you've got an image linked to your goal, and you wrote behind that image your, your meanings and purposes. I mean, all the reasons why this is important. You've done an evaluation of pros and cons. You've weighed up everything. You know why this is important for you. This image just represents the goal. It isn't the goal necessarily sometimes. Right. That's enough. And then right throughout the whole year, it's not just a new resolution. Right through the whole year, you're given a chance to look at that photo, that image, and you are like a photo reminded of why that was important. And you're going to do something about it. And you're mm. going to continue making those baby steps. You know what? Even if you made baby steps all year and you failed all year, you, you stuffed it up. Wow. How far have you gone? Right. Wow. Oh my gosh. See, I told you, you guys would love him. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm a survivor. That's what I am. Oh, it's really, really beautiful. That's really beautiful. Wow. I love that. And you know, it's, it's, it's similar to, um, I, I have my clients write out an anchor statement. It is the statement that they use to keep coming back to doing this work, even when it's hard, like doing the work of, 
being a more intentional parent, uh, being a more communicative parent and a more accepting parent is like, why am I doing this? Because at the end of the day, I want this, right? Uh, so I, I do that with, with my clients as well, because yeah, I, I hear you. I like that image. I love that image. That's, that's a great, that's, that's a great point. That's a really great point. Um, okay. So I just want to, to can you, just because I just really want to leave people with this, the, the three main steps needed for a deliberate life are getting stop, clarity with your desires, clarity with stop, your desires. Okay. Stop running away from life's problems. Okay. And embrace the fact that you are on automatic a lot of the times mm. and you have to, you have to notice when you're just busy doing activities and then not direct directional or intentional in some way, because it's so easy to be busy, but not spin our tails. So yeah. just be intentional and, and it's okay. Be intentional. Fail yeah. all year. If you have to, if you know it's important, you'll stick to it. You'll learn, you'll adjust, you'll grow. And always never lose hope, never lose mm. gratitude. So what do you do with your, your clients with that anchor statement? Sprinkle some gratitude over it because mm. gratitude should be the number one goal in that anchor statement. I love that. I love that. I feel like I've had a life coaching lesson times <laughs> a million. Uh, this mm. is just so good. I feel so excited and motivated. I want to go hug everyone that I love right now. Mm, I want to awesome. go tell everyone that I love them. Um, and you are so awesome because you have given us in the parent toolbox. So just to remind you where it is, it's parent-toolbox.com. And we've got the top 10 mistakes that stop you from living, living a fulfilling life. That's in the parent toolbox. That is from Chris. Chris, your book is near death lessons. Thank you so much for being here and people can find you because we need them to find you. Um, your website is remotestaff.com and you're on LinkedIn and, uh, your the, the way to say your last name is, uh, Jen Kolofsky, uh, but it's spelled J A N K U L O V S K I. I just want to say that because I want people to be able to find you, um, on Facebook, you are just keep going facebook.com slash just keep going. And then you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, you're on all of the places. Uh, I'm going to be following you. I'll tell you that right now you have like, I will be forever changed from this conversation. Oh wow! Thank you. Thank you. Look, it's my it's it's my it's my job to inspire. Look, I, I'm I can't just relax. I've had eight near death experiences. I I have to I have to serve. I have to I have to be worthy of all these second chances, and that can only happen when I can just ignite people to say, "Man, we've got an incredible fire in all of us." And there's so many people who are not ignited. And honestly, in our life, we're not designed to just exist. We're designed to flourish here. Everything flourishes mm -hmm. in this world. And so do we. Our souls need to flourish the time that we've got. That's my job. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. 
For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.